Welcome to This Guy is Sick. This week got a little bonus mini episode just for me, Sam, on my own. No friends today, not no one with me. Uh, this is purely because I saw It Chapter 2. And I'm a big fan of Stephen King. Bigger fan of his books than any adaptation made because his books are so deep and uh, enriching. It's like I haven't watched the new Pet Cemetery because I really enjoyed the book. And if you know anything about the book, 70% of Pet Cemetery is just this family living in this, like dealing with their anxieties, living in this town, dealing with their problems. You know, there's the stuff with the cat. Like, it go, there's a little bit of lore and history as of why things come back alive, what has happened to other people in the past when they have been brought back to life. You know, just the creepiness and weirdness and very, very claustrophobic. And then, like, the last portion of the, the book is the sun coming back and the chaos that ensues, you know, to the the climax of it, right? When they do these in films, it's like that last little portion of it is always the main bit of the film and like you lose so much in 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 translation like you lose so much of of what makes the book good by just doing like oh what's like what's the scary like what's the scary bit or what's the actiony bit or what's the bit that's like can get some jump scares in and they just focus on that so when i saw it chapter two i did enjoy the first one uh i thought that was pretty good i thought that they did well with it. They were quite close to the source material. They made lots of changes, obviously. Uh, you know, there's there's a scene where um, Beverly brings them all together. Uh, they all come together in the sewers, uh, and she inspires them, let's put it lightly, to keep, keep going and carry on. Now, that is not in either of these films. They do not do that scene. I didn't expect them to. It almost felt like in Chapter 2 that they were hinting at it at one point and then they kind of moved away you know one thing i wanted to quickly touch on is that i've seen some other reviews for this film and they're they're all right they're not they're not good they're not bad they're kind of middle ground and we've been talking about doing reviews at, and writing some looking at movies movies that we like it doesn't have to be like the, the latest film out we are quite big like we're a decent sized podcast now we've got a good following you guys have been fantastic you've been fucking awesome actually uh, we've been doing the polls you've been joining those little competitions and stuff we might have some giveaways coming up in the future we've just been you know growing at a nice a nice speed a nice rate and uh we 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 do appreciate that so we've been talking about maybe doing some written reviews starting a website up putting reviews that aren't paid for because i look at like the reviews for this Joker movie, you got people giving it a 10 out of 10. I'm not saying the movie's bad. I'm not saying it's not a masterpiece. I'm saying it's definitely not a 10 out of 10. Like, nothing is perfect. And if a perfect score is 10 out of 10, that should be never attainable. That should always be impossible. You'd have to go above and beyond with something. Like, to get a 10 out of 10, or you'd have to be considered like a deep classic. You'd have to be considered, you know, something that is just cinematically different, changed how people thought, had like a big nuance, had an impact. We're, we're talking, you know, movies that they don't make anymore. We're talking Citizen Kane. Maybe that's a 10 out of 10, and maybe that's the only one. It should always be like this unattainable thing. And I, I look at this, the Joker is going to be 10, 10 out of 10. And then I look at, 
Rotten Tomatoes, Dave Chappelle, 17%. It was funny. I found it very fucking humorous, that that special. Why has it got such a low official rating? And then the audience score is 99%. Like, it's, there's like a disparity between the two. And I saw IGN, I saw Nerdist raving about it. And then, without putting a review up yet, it was just like, we're going to reveal our score. We're going to reveal the tomato meter. Tune in next week. Come on live when we're on YouTube and find out what we thought about this movie. And they're like, hype, hype, hype. And it's like, you've been paid for this. Because if you were a legitimate reviewer, you go and see the film, you tell your thoughts. So that's what we're looking at doing some more of that. This is a little mini episode of me actually doing that. So one thing I saw in other reviews before I get to my review of the movie... They were not happy with the word bundle of sticks, the F word, the homophobic slur that begins with F being used. As I watched the film, I saw it was used twice in the movie. The first time it was used as a homophobic attack happens, which is from the books, where it's how they start the film. I think it's right at the beginning of the book as well. Uh, these these two gay guys get beaten up, uh, thrown in the river, and Pennywise has his way with the man who's thrown in the river. River, and they they use the f bomb. They drop an f bomb during this scene. Now, some reviewers are saying that it's unnecessary during the current climate, which I find the current climate thing a bit strange. Like. Gay people, while oppression still exists, you know, while they get stoned to death in some mad countries on the other side of the world, in terms of Western society, like, yes, it still exists. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I think I think gay people, like the LGBTQ community, is at its like most accepted point in history. Like, it's at a point where majoritively most people don't care most people aren't up in arms and most people don't care if they see guys holding hands or women holding hands in the street they, they, it just doesn't cross their mind to abuse them or be bad to them so when they're sent in the current climate i just think they're kind of amping up something that isn't necessarily there like gay people can get married like maybe it's because i'm english in england i don't see much of a problem in the uk i don't see much of a problem it happens still you get some close-minded bigots. You're always going to get them everywhere, you know. But we're not, I don't think, saying you shouldn't use that word in a movie during a scene that depicts the one thing that you would want to use that word for to show how much these fucking idiots, who these idiots are, is is the exact way you would use it. And then it's dropped a little bit later on in the movie in, in the, very much the same vein as like a deliberate homophobic slur towards a character who you realise is is gay um, and you didn't know they were gay. It's kind of like this is the dirty secret he's been hiding that Pennywise is trying to use against him. Like It comes into play later on. So that's something I saw reviews didn't like. And not that I want to stick up for the word, but for the sake of the art, for the sake of the story, to make that scene where someone is being attacked for being who because of who they are in love with because of who they are sexually attracted to using that word is the is powerful right it makes sense and it was done in a way to me that didn't feel like oh they've just put that in this film 
to get liberal hot points. So they've just put this in this film to push an agenda. No, no, no. It felt very much part of the film as it did in the book, right? Remember, this is in the book. This scene is in the book. They did a lot more of stuff from the book. Like uh, one thing I did like and I didn't like at the same time. In the book, the turtle is a big thing. If you haven't read the book, I don't want to spoil too much. But there's a turtle. It is like the force of good. It also shows up in the Dark Tower series. Uh, as Pennywise also links back to that. This good and evil. These sort of basically deity-sized forces, which is what they are. Uh, they come into play. And in It Chapter 1, when they're swimming... They see a turtle and they mention, oh, a turtle, a turtle. In this film, you see uh, a taxidermist stuffed turtle on the side. And the camera starts, like, zooms on it. And in the book, again, oh, fuck it, this gonna be, there's going to be spoilers in this if you haven't read the book, I suppose. In the book, the turtle gives them the powers, basically, to defeat Pennywise when they're kids. They link back to this force of of good but when they're adults and they are going after the deadlights and going after pennywise in this battle scene they get like basically they see that the turtle has now passed away like it's dead it, this force of good doesn't exist anymore it's actually died so i liked that as an easter egg the turtle is alive in it chapter one the turtle is now a taxidermy dead because they don't mention it, has no bearing on the movie. They don't talk about this force of good in the movie at all, but they kind of put that little Easter egg in there. I like it because it's an Easter egg and it got a pop out of me because I understood the reference. However, I really like the fact that there's like these other forces at play in Stephen King's books. I like that like a lot of these characters that are going through supernatural elements actually just have some form of the shining. Like I like that. I think that's a fucking really, really cool thing that he did. You know, Carrie has the shine. The kids in it have the shine. Obviously, Danny Torrance has the shine. Other characters in if you look into it, oh, they have a little bit of telekinesis or they have a little bit of this or that. Like you realize that they all have the shine. And uh, it's just it's just little things I like about that. They make some shining references in this film as well. Stephen King has a cameo. There's also like a running joke throughout the movie uh, where Bill, he's a writer, and they say he can't write endings, and it comes up over and over. I like the book, didn't like the ending. Like the book, didn't like the ending. Stephen King often gets that labelled to him, right? And as someone who's read most of if not maybe all bar perhaps two or three of his books i don't think that's the case i think it's like one of these fallacies that go around like somewhere along the line someone didn't like the ending to something and i think it stems from it it right and i think it but i think it stems from the the original 90s miniseries tim curry it where oh it's just a big spider and they kill it like and I and I think people go Stephen King can't write endings well he didn't write the fucking movie he wrote the book the the ending's completely different in the in the book massively different in fact and they keep making this dig throughout people go, oh I don't like Stephen King doesn't know how to end the movie what Carrie didn't end well are you mad like like have you read that like have you read any of the Dark Tower books 
have you read Doctor Sleep? Have you read The Shining? Like he can write endings, like, but it's like this fallacy that goes around. People say Stephen King can't write an ending, and they play heavily on that in the in chapter two as like a running gag throughout it. And even he himself, Stephen King, says it during his lines in it. And it is quite funny. I get the dig. I get what they're saying it. And I, I'm guessing they're saying it's a fallacy because like um, when Bill tries to explain it to people, he's like, no, you don't always get a happy ending. Like life isn't like that. I like my books to be real. I like my characters to end. Like, not everything ends and you know all the answers. Like life's just not like that. Sometimes you have to just leave things open because life is open and that's what I do. And I feel like that is part of Stephen King's mind. Like, you know, that sort of like, no, no, no. That's why I write my endings the way I do. Like, you don't always get everything you want. So why would these characters always get everything they want? And it's quite a funny little little line and stuff in there. There's a lot of comedy in this film. I will say that. And I liked it. I enjoyed it. So I enjoyed the film quite a bit. And... I, but I noticed there was not too much comedy, just a lot of it. And while it made me laugh and it got a giggle out of people in the audience, I felt like it almost, there's parts of the movie that just, it felt like you had two different directors making it. Like you had someone making all the seriousness, because there's serious stuff. And it may be even three directors. Someone making the seriousness, someone making the horror, which was mostly jump scares and like visual horror, not anything really scary. And then someone doing comedy parts and then they just mash them in. And there's some scenes where like they throw in like a one liner where it's like you would not, you would be like, this is not the time for a fucking one liner. This is not the time uh, for a joke. And those bits reminded me of like a, um, a scary movie or like the, the jokes were a bit better than that, admittedly. But they reminded me of a bit of that and I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I enjoyed the film. Parts of it just seemed to be like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, what, what, what's happening here? So there's that. And that brings me to a character that in the book I really like. When I say like, I hate him. And that's Bowers, right? I hate him in the book. When he is a child, he's a vicious psychopath. They do a better job in uh it chapter one and it chapter two these movies than they did in the 90s movie or the 80s movie they make him more of a psychopath that they make him an evil fucker but in the book this is someone who's clearly going to go on and commit some heinous fucking crimes and he's kind of a joke in this film like he isn't in prison he's in a mental home uh he escapes from the mental home, murders his way out of the mental home, and comes after the losers now they're adults, as he does in the book. I was glad they, that made it into the film, because they didn't make it into the into the, the original movie they made. And to me, he is meant to be scary as fuck. Like, this is a psychopath who's come after you, because the clown cannot affect you as much as he used to because you're adults now. Like it's harder for him, it's harder for Pennywise, it's harder for the deadlights to come after an adult because you fought it off once. And like once you're an adult, you lose some of that belief in that this thing can hurt you. Like you, you have a little bit more gusto about you. So it has to get humans to do its bidding. 
And in the book, it uses Bowers and it uses Beverly's husband to do its bidding for it, to try and help help him through throughout the film. Sorry, throughout the book. In this, it's Bowers. The husband's in it for like the beginning and then you never see him again. <clears throat> and what you what I noticed was that like he like reminded me of uh what's the guy who does the kingpin in um daredevil vincent oh, i can't remember his surname so he is in the men in black first men in black movie and he's the guy who puts the skin on and he's like quirky and weird and it doesn't quite work and he talks funny and bowers is basically portrayed like that in this and like there's bits where like they stab him and he just sort of stands there and like looks around and wanders off and like it's just it's just goofy like they make jokes at his expense like come on man look at that haircut it's not it's been 20 years like just <clears throat> they continue to like use these jokes and stuff and he doesn't seem like a credible threat in the book he's literally like he's hiding in people's cars he's in their gardens he's following them he's stabbing them when they're on their own he he puts one of them in hospital like he, he's a he, he murders other people he leaves a fucking destructive trail behind him in in this he's kind of a joke he's in it just to like just to be in it almost so that was a bit of a letdown and with that as well like i said about the homophobic attack at the beginning a lot of people didn't like what word they used the bundle of sticks word they didn't like that uh when I'm watching it, during the book, Pennywise's, his powers, his evil influence, that negative influence over Derry has caused this violence to happen. It's like, yeah, these guys are homophobic. Yeah, there's two gay guys kissing in front of them and they don't like it. But the reason they go so far as to beat one to death essentially or beat one close to death and chuck him over into a river to try and kill him the reason they do that is because of pennywise's ability to like ramp up a negative situation and keep this the town of Derry just sort of oppressed and like locked down under its negativity and again during the this scene in the book one of the gay guys he starts sh shouting back and he starts he starts sort of like going you know, I'm going to say stuff that's going to wind these guys up. And again, he does that, not because he's had enough of it, not because he knows he could fight them, because he can't, they're outnumbered. These two guys know they'd be in trouble. He starts arguing back because that negativity of Pennywise is ramping up any negative situation, any bad situation, so that it can feed off of the fear, so it can feed off of that, that, that brutality, of that nastiness. And they do not do that justice in the movies at all just what influence pennywise have over the town that the town seems to just go on regardless without without almost no they, they know there's kids missing and they don't care in the book there's a lot more the police are involved like they're investigating this shit but they just keep turning up nothing other people have reports of a clown like the police start hearing about reports of a clown when they when these two gay men get attacked the one who survives it sees pennywise eating his lover, right, eating his boyfriend. They show this in the film, but in the book, he reports this to the police. Like they at my, they at my fucking 
you know, I saw a clown. What was this clown doing there? I saw balloons and a carnival and a this and that. Like, and they, he kind of goes into detail about that to the police. And this, the police might as well not be there. Like, people going missing left and right, and they're just not doing anything. You don't even see them, you know? Like, they're there for, like, a, a brief second when a crime happens. And it's a little bit like that in the flashbacks, because there's flashbacks in It Chapter 2 as well, which I'm glad of. But it's a bit like that. Like, they just kind of go all over the place with it. And it, it's a shame, because it, it's probably... Could be my favourite Stephen King book, It. It could be, because it's just the lore... And the the history, like I said, with the turtle, and they there's like they hint at stuff in the book. This is otherworldly. Like there's so much more to this story. And once you start reading his other books, and you do realise that ah, oh, there is a connection here and here and here. And when, especially if you read the Dark Tower, you kind of get more of that. But in the movie, it almost feels like they weld build to introduce other shit, and then it ends. And you know, like, the ending of it this time round, they give you a definitive, proper ending. They make changes, but they make an ending, like an actual ending to the story. But they world build just enough with, oh, the ancient Indians, like, they bring this thing into it where they knew about the uh, ritual of Chud and they are going to try and trap the deadlights. They, they, they talk about all this stuff. They talk about, oh, like, you know, it came from an, in another dimension. They kind of mention this stuff and then they leave it and they don't do enough of it. And it made me wanting more. It made me sitting there going, oh, do you know how much cool shit they could do with, like, what else comes from these other dimensions? What else happens? What, what more could there be out there? How else could this fit in? Oh, could this link to that? Could they? Because that's what he does with his books. They're all linked. They're, they're, they're all you know mixed together i was just recently um finished the outsider and i don't know i think that might have come out a year ago and i didn't realize when reading it that this was going to tie into mr mercedes and that that trilogy of books but it did i didn't know this going into it but Stephen King's very good at doing that. He's very good at tying his stuff in or making links between things or just making little mentions. And Joe Hill, his son, is also very good at that. And they've even made links to each other's books. So in um, Nosferatu, when they show the map of like the dreamscapes or whatever, they, it's like a weird, is that a weird people in there? They basically have the shine. I'm pretty sure that's what you're getting at, right? Which is Stephen King's son. When they look through the map, on the map, there's Pennywise Circus. Like it's, on the, it's on the Dreamscape map, the places that are like uh, powerful areas that you can go to. That's on there. And then in Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining, there's these like vampiric creatures that uh, they drink the shine. Now in Nosferatu, which I mentioned where Pennywise gets a mention, you have a character called Charlie Manx who eats the fear of children, little children, a bit like Pennywise does, and he takes them to Christmas Land, this place where it's always Christmas and it's always presents and happy, and he drives a, a Wraith car. So in Doctor Sleep, they mention Charlie Manx driving the Wraith car and how he would absorb things from children in a different way to how these evil vampire-type creatures in 
Dr. Sleepwood. So they've, he's even linked his universes with his sons. It's fantastic stuff to do. I mean, it, to me, it just opens it up. The whole uh, like Stephen King universe, they did that in, in Castle Rock. Lots of references to stuff in his books as well. Just really, really did well with like what they presented, what they've what they've given you, um, and I felt like this it chapter two had that potential, but you know it's done now. Like they're not making anything that's going to link back to that, and it's a shame. I don't need a Marvel Cinematic Universe for everything, but a Stephen King Cinematic Universe that loosely ties in the way his books loosely tie in, where you know it's just set in the same world, would be fucking awesome. It would be so good to do that. And I know Doctor Sleep is coming out, um, and that's coming out as a film. It's got uh, Ewan McGregor in it, I think. That's a really good book. I I enjoyed that. And from what I can gather from the trailer of that, they're using the Kubrick Shining movie to be the lead in so it's like actually a sequel to the kubrick film which stephen king wasn't a fan of because there were lots of changes but it's like a lead into that so it's actually following the that movie so it is a direct sequel but if they could somehow tie i don't know who's making it if it's warner brothers or not as well if they could somehow tie in like he's reading one of bill's books or something just to like that's all you need because that's what's that's how Stephen King himself does it. Um yeah, like overall I enjoyed the film. I don't want this to go too long. I don't want people to just hear me gushing over Stephen King. I want to do an episode on on Stephen King, to be fair. I've got a friend of mine, Jeremy, he's an author uh in America. He's a great guy. I'd rather have him over 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 the over the air and have a conversation with him about Stephen King. And about horror in general, because he writes horror books himself. He's he's a horror author, and I think Stephen King, his love for Stephen King trumps mine. But all in all, it was enjoyable. I give it seven red balloons out of ten red balloons. There you go. I'm not giving it. It's not the joke. It's not getting ten out of ten smiley faces. It's getting it's getting seven out of ten red balloons. Best part of the film to me was I liked. The flashbacks, I do find the kids way more charismatic than the adult actors, uh, especially the girl who plays Beverly. The the young Beverly is more charismatic than older Beverly, but I know she's kind of been downtrodden and abused by her husband. But the little girl nails it, that, that actress. She just absolutely nails the role in the first film and again in this one. Uh, I did like, you know, James McAvoy is fucking awesome. He's he's great in it. I like that Bill was basically Bill. Like he doesn't he doesn't change. He still has that strong sense of justice. He still has that sort of like I have to protect everyone ability, you know, and that that sort of way about him. I really enjoyed that. That was my favorite. Those were my my best bits. Um, the jump scares. I saw a lot as we went out. People were going. I could tell when they're going to happen, and they weren't they weren't wrong. You could they were they were set up. But I don't know if the movie's to blame for that. Or are we just now so conditioned by horror films to know when this shit's happening? And there are movies that are only jump scares. There are movies that that's all they go for. You know, like something screaming at you. Like them old YouTube videos where it'd just be a fucking face of the exorcist or something just peering on the screen screaming at you. You know, like... I wonder if we've just been overly conditioned now that 
those things don't work the way they used to. I didn't, I didn't jump once during the during the movie. Like I knew when one was coming. I knew like that he's going to open the door. He opens the door, but he opens it so slowly that you know there's nothing behind it. And then when he closes the door, something's going to be behind him. I know, and and it happened every time. There was something like that during the film. I knew it was going to happen, and but I don't blame the movie for that. I blame just the amount of horror we've watched and how other films have used that tactic to death. Uh, there, I can I could name plenty of movies that use just that tactic all the way through it. But visually, it's it's great. Like the stuff is disgusting. Like some of the scenes in it are just gross. Like the 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 stuff that that Pennywise uses to try and trick them, both as kids and as adults, is just gross looking stuff. It's meant to just fuck with them. It's not meant to scare them. And this is the point in the book. The book doesn't really scare you, right? The book makes you um, realize that they are being scared, that the kids are being scared. Like this is a horror for them. It's not a horror for the reader. It's a horror for the characters, and the movie does that perfectly. It's not a horror for us. It's not meant to scare us. We're meant to witness them being scared by what they see. My favourite scene in the whole film is there's a bit with a little girl, and she's like, "You're scary and weird to Pennywise, and I I don't like I don't like you. You're you're weird. You're not you're scary." And he's like, I'm not scary, I'm just a clown and I want to be your friend. And she's like, no. And then he says, and then he starts crying. He's like, everyone bullies me. Everyone says I look weird. Everyone says this. Little girl's got like a growth on her face. And she says, oh, don't worry, Mr. Clown. Everyone everyone says that to me, look, because I've got this. And he's like, oh, that little thing, I can make that go away. And then she comes in, she's like, yeah, everyone's horrible to me. I've got no friends. And it... And at that point, I thought, if they make him change his mind on walking out the fucking cinema, if if Pennywise at that point goes, I can't kill this poor little girl, like, she is, yeah, she's, she's like, got a little deformity, got mark, this birth, growth birthmark on her face, she's got no friends, people don't pay attention to her, they don't like her, they bully her, right, so... When they kind of do that, I was like, do not make him change his mind. Because it looked like that's what he was doing. It looked like he was like, oh, oh, well, I know how it feels to be bullied. And it looks like, ah, oh, fuck, they're going to bottle it. They're going to bottle it. And then he bites her head off. So he doesn't, right? He doesn't bottle it. He kills. That's my favourite scene in the whole fucking film. It was, it, it, it was just like, holy shit. Because again, Hollywood... And from they don't like violence towards children. Video games don't do it. Like you, in in video games, if there's kids running around on the street and you're playing Grand Theft Auto, you can't kill them or Skyrim. You can't just start fucking up the little. You can hit them and that, but you can't hurt them. You can't perma death them. You can't kill them. Um, <clears throat> it's like you can't make blood appear from them when you hit them. Like they, they just don't put it in there. I'm not saying that we need it. I'm not saying like that's a good thing to have. But in a movie like It, where he pries on children because children are easier to scare for him to be able to get what he needs from them, that fear, that way to feast. So it can, well, in the book, it's like trying to make lay eggs and make more of himself. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And in this, it's like, I was like, don't, don't bottle it with like the seeing Pennywise hurt kids. Like, 
and they don't. More than once you see Pennywise devour a child in this film. And if you don't like that sort of thing, don't watch it. Like, if that's going to scare you or bother you or upset you, don't. then definitely, definitely don't watch it. If, if you're okay with that, and like me, you realise that for the importance of storytelling, just like dropping the F-bomb, just like other little things in it, for the importance of storytelling, for the importance of the art, you need to have scenes like that in there. If you understand that and you can get past that, because there were people in the cinema, they, they were in shock that that scene happened. There, there was like a, a gasp from people in the cinema when I saw this, like, oh my, oh no, like, you know, and they were like, like some people were really taken aback by the fact that he just chewed this little girl in half and then later on just chews this fucking little boy to bits. Like, they, they, were, they were shocked by it. And I'm sure some people were shocked by the Georgie scene in the first movie, but Georgie plays such an important role to the story and to Bill's character development that people knew that one was coming. They knew that that's going to happen in the chapter one. They didn't know this little girl and they fucking tricked you. And it was just a great bit of directing, a great bit of acting, a great bit of writing that I went literally in my head. It's like, if he lets her go, because he feels sorry for this little girl, I'm leaving the fucking cinema and I'm done, because they fucking ruined it, because Pennywise is evil, so he, he, he would not care about one life, one single life, it's, Pennywise is the eater of worlds, the devourer of fucking all, like, the, it, it's, its main focus is to be strong enough that it just planet hop, that it can just interdimensionally hop and drain and drain and drain. Like that's all it wants to do. It has an unquenchable fucking thirst. It's, it's always hungry, always wants some more fear, more death, more destruction. To make that go, run along, little girl, or where, like, which is where I thought it was going because it was going to change its mind and go and pry on someone else. It would have ruined the film for me. And they set me up to think that that's what's going to happen. I was shaking my head going, oh, for fuck, I don't, don't do this. And then, bam, it doesn't. It fucking, it has a, and that, that was my favourite scene. Um, I didn't really have any work, like bad scenes in it. There weren't any eye-rolling scenes or scenes that like insulted my intelligence. But some of the just unnecessary humour in moments like, that where you don't need it. Like some of them were good. They lighten the mood. A, a character dies in the film. Um, I won't say who or how, but a character does die during the film. And, you know, it's like the last words of the character is a joke. But it, it's a running gag. They go back to stuff from the past. Like they go back from stuff from the first film with that. Like there's bits in chapter one that they're clearly referencing during these scenes. And that I really enjoyed. That I liked. That made sense. So some of it was like, but, the, but again, some of the humour was unnecessary. Like, just, I don't know. Just It just felt out of place like at moments. It felt, like I said, someone else was doing it. It's like, we got someone doing the jump scares and the visual horror. We got someone doing the seriousness. And then we got someone doing the jokes. And we've mixed it all together. And this is what you've got. It's not a bad thing. I've just not quite seen it done like that before. And maybe it's something I need to get used to. But I was interested all the way through. So like I said, seven red balloons out of ten. Enjoyed it. 
a little bit sad. When it ends, I was a little bit sad. I was like, oh, so this is actually over now. I, I was enjoying it to a point that when it ended, I was like, I'm getting no more of this. And out of those two movies, five, six hours worth of, of you know, viewing, I enjoyed what they set up. I, I was like, I want to know more about the history of Derry because the book does a lot of that. I want to know more about that. I want to see it. I want to see what Pennywise was doing when it could get away with it, when there weren't the losers or when technology and minds and the way people are and moved on to a point that you could actually combat it now, you know. That seemed just, in, you know, very, very interesting to me. I, I wish we got more of that. Um, I like the flashback stuff a lot. I liked it in the first one. I liked the, the, the late 80s, early 90s setting. I'm 35. I was a kid at that age that this was taking place. I like a lot, a lot, not a lot. I like, I like the '90s nostalgia. I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I enjoy seeing it in things when it's done right. They do, they do it justice in this. The little hints, little stuff they do, it, it makes, it makes sense to me. Um, yeah, in, enjoyable film. Not the best film I've seen this year, but by far not the worst. And you know, I just felt like, yeah, I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed that fucking Spider-Man movie way more. That That is low on my list. This is, is high. It's like top five of the new films I've seen this year is It Chapter 2. And I got this balloon. Like, so um, when, I went, when I went into the cinema, they had a balloon, a red balloon with I Heart Dairy on it. It was made of plastic. And they put the popcorn in it. So I got one of these like little ornament things. This balloon is probably going to go on in the studio. Uh, I'm setting up at the moment as we're on our break, a little area for like maybe doing some YouTube stuff in the future. So I've got all that set up. It's going to go as part of the set for that. And I got a little cup. And on top of the cup, there's like a Pennywise bubble head that you can detach. And you and like it looks kind of like a Funko. It was really, it's, it's really well made. It looks really cool. So I got that stuff. I like, and it felt like an event movie to me. You know, like Endgame is an event movie. This felt like an event movie, but I know there's not going to be any future events. So that that is disappointing. You know, that knocks off a tiny bit of how I felt about the movie is knowing that this is the end of it. And I feel like that with his books. So they managed to capture that from Stephen King's books, and and in this, it does feel that way. So that's my review. I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. I don't want to go too much into like, oh, the directing ability. And the, I enjoyed the film, right? If we do start doing reviews and they're in written format, I actually don't want them to be over the top. I don't want our reviews to be 20 pages long, 3,000, 4,000 words. Well, that's probably only about seven pages. But I don't want I don't want that from how we review things. I want people to digest it. I want it to be, you know, even if it's just... Like a like a meme, like an image, right? With some phrases like how we felt about it, and a, ra a rating, and then just a little bit of writing on that picture you, that you can digest easily. I want it to be like this podcast. It's gone a bit longer than I thought, but it, it's just a quick episode. You chuck it on on your lunch break. You're done. You've heard my thoughts on it, and most importantly, you've heard how I how I feel about it, as opposed to like what politics are in it or oh, they could have done a message here, oh, they could have really gone with that. There's a bit of violence towards women and they, I don't think they did it justice because they never reference it again or whatever the fuck bullshit they throw into your fucking reviews these days. 
I just want to review the film as it is and talk a little bit about the book, my love for Stephen King, and just and just let you know that this is coming from a, a point of someone who's a fan. And just like when I spoke about Spider-Man, I'm, I'm talking as a fan. This is as a fan who enjoyed something. That was as a fan who didn't enjoy something. But I just want to be honest about it. So thanks for listening. Uh, we should have a new episode soon. I think we start season two properly in maybe a week's time. And it looks like we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VIII as our first episode back. I know we talked about this sort of pitch idea for the Terminator uh, on our season finale. But Liam's got married. He wants to be involved in that. So I'm probably going to do that later on in the line in season two when he's all sorted out from all that stuff. But we're looking at doing Final Fantasy VIII. The remaster's come out. I've been playing it. I've been enjoying it. Probably for the wrong reasons. I've been enjoying it because it's making me laugh. Because it's corny as fuck and like dumb as fuck and some and there's memes going around everywhere and I've been making them. So when I'm looking, when I'm playing the game, I'm screenshotting so I can make memes, right? And it, and I'm I'm reading the lines in it that are meant to be serious and I'm cracking up with laughter because they're so fucking bad. But I, I, it's kind of added a charm to the game that previously wasn't there. So I'm enjoying it way more than I used to. Um, it's probably jumped up in my rankings, right, for a Final Fantasy game. Purely because I'm actually enjoying it, whereas before it was eye-rolling. Now this stuff's just funny. You know, go talk to a wall. It's fu- it's making me laugh, these stupid lines in it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it. That's our It Chapter 2 review. If you enjoyed it, let us know. Hit us up on the Facebook page. Let us know how you felt about it. 